0: Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of My Words, Our Journey. I'm Monty, and this will be the final episode of season one. I hope you enjoy the conclusion. Let's begin chapter 48. Kenny was feeling that he, Leonard, and Sean had known each other for years and had to keep reminding himself that once the case played out, the three of them would go their separate ways. Once the case played out, he thought. He had reached a point where he was becoming less and less optimistic about the outcome. While they waited, on search warrants, Kenny suggested that they review the crime scene photos. They received word that Judge Mary Reynolds Lloyd had agreed to sign the warrants. Two of the team members had gone to her home upon her request, and Leonard and Sean looked like they were about to jump for joy. As for himself, Kenny had seen many two good leads go bad, so he was more guarded and was not ready to do his happy dance just yet. The call came through as Leonard, very proud of how much he had improved his use of technology, was uploading to the laptop numerous crime scene photos that he planned to use in a PowerPoint presentation later. It seemed their man had struck again, and this time he had upped the ante. Other than the updates that came squawking in over the radio, the hum of the rubber against the pavement, and the whipping of the wind against the Crown Victoria, those were the only sounds that were made for the 12-minute ride to the apartments. Upon their arrival, they saw that the first officers on the scene had set up a perimeter and that a sizable crowd had already gathered. Although the outside of the building looked like a typical crime scene, Kenny knew that appearances could be deceiving. Based on what he knew so far, what lies inside the building would be anything but typical. As they walked apprehensively towards the building, two news vans pulled up both with reporters jumping from the passenger seats before the vehicles had even come to a halt. Hurry up and wait, folks, because no one goes anywhere for a while, Leonard thought to himself. Leonard was the first of the three to enter the room. He was immediately taken aback by the youth of the man lying before him. He expected to see an older man. Instead, the naked body with the crumpled paper in his mouth could not have been more than 25. Too young to die, he thought. Sammy Tillman, a law student at uh, Kingston, U, reported an officer working the scene. His car is just down the street. And from the looks of it, he's lived out, of, lived out of the back seat for a while. There was a brief pause. Leonard could tell this young guy was doing his best to impress the senior officers. Initial findings lead us to believe the Vic died of head trauma. The young officer continued before Leonard could comment on the man's age and how his life had been wasted. The officer added, we also found boxes of porn in the trunk as well as several address books, books, names, addresses, phone numbers of hundreds of children, boys and girls. He cleared his throat, obviously uncomfortable with what he had to say. Some of the entries had photos, and many had what seemed to be like star rating systems. Others had comments regarding what he liked and didn't like about them. Another awkward pause. There could have been most of them couldn't have been more than 15, the younger officer stumbled through. It's enough to break your heart. He could tell his information had not been received well by Leonard, so he turned and walked away. It's the ones that you've never that are most dangerous, Leonard said to no one in particular. Kenny suggested that they move to door number two and stepped ahead of Leonard and Sean into the second apartment, which had been found unlocked, according to the first officers to the scene. The air in the apartment was thick with the smell of sickness causing kenny to hastily untuck his shirt and cover his nose with his shirt tail it was an uncomfortable reaction to a nauseating funk but he felt a little silly when he noticed the sideways glances it elicited from others in the room they can laugh if they want but a senior officer simply does not throw up at a crime scene especially not kenny Costco. after a quick walkthrough, kenny felt pretty sure Nothing else would be found in the apartment, nothing other than the sea of vomit that was starting to crust up at the edges. He wondered how there could be anything left of the person who had heaped up that mess. Send the crew back to do a detailed walkthrough, he ordered as he held the door for Leonard and Sean. He closed the door behind him, and the three men walked in silence to the next apartment. Kenny and Leonard slowed their pace just enough for Sean to reach the door first, as if to say, your turn. He turned the knob and pushed the door open before they even crossed the threshold each could sense the terror that had taken place in the apartment number three it was a scene much more sinister than the ones previous this one fought for his life sean said more to himself than to anyone else without hesitation he crossed the room and knelt by the body surveying the small apartment he noticed two small blood stains by the back door Gauging from the large hole in the wall next to the left of the doorframe, Sean visualized what might have transpired there earlier in the day. The murderer had waited behind the door for his victim to enter. Then he struck him forcefully in the nose with a blunt object, which caused the bloodstains on the floor. He guessed that the next swing missed his mark and gave the victim time to head for the back door. Obviously, the killer had not taken kindly to the escape attempt, for he had beaten the victim's head so badly. That the facial features were obliterated everything from the forehead to the chin looked as if it had melted together the distorted naked body served as a testimony to the carnage that had taken place within this unfurnished space the killer's disdain for the victim was crystal clear sean was willing to bet his month's paycheck that a baseball bat had been the implement of destruction do we know where miles humphreys is this evening sean asked his partner as he stepped around the blood spatter before kenny or leonard could utter a response sean was out the door eager to fill his lungs with fresh air and free them of death and despair chapter 49 whatever rage had been contained in his 170 pounds miles released it through the baseball bat he continued swinging it over and over even after the old man was clearly dead finally he stood over the body looking at it blankly while he caught his breath after a few moments he turned away reached for his bag and pulled out an oversized sweatsuit which he put over his bloody clothes then he left the gruesome scene he had created no less casually than if he was leaving work for the day miles drove to the ymca where he headed straight to the men's locker room he was relieved to find that he had the place to himself and quickly removed the black sweatsuit to reveal his clothes which was completely drenched in blood and sweat. Wasting no time, he peeled these garments off and tossed them into a large black garbage bag that he had packed in his duffel. Then he carefully placed the bag in the locker room trash receptacle and finally stepped into a steamy hot shower where he turned his thoughts to his dinner date with Amy. Miles did not feel guilty about meeting another woman. He knew his Amanda was looking down on him and his work, essentially spurred on by the events that had caused her death and knew that she approved. He felt sure that she did not understand some of his actions, but simply knowing that she had appreciated the overall mission brought him peace. Miles looked at his waterproof timepiece, rinsing away the specks of blood that had dried on it, and realized that it was time to get moving along. He was never late, and tonight would be no exception. He turned off the water, grabbed a towel, and set about preparing himself for the evening. He knew he would not be as early as he originally planned, but he hoped to arrive first and make himself comfortable before Amy made her entrance. Filled with anticipation, Miles was calmed by the realization that even if the meeting did not go well, it would not be detrimental to his cause, only to the telling of his story. But if the gods wanted his story told, it would be told, with or without Amy Fritz. It seemed that his face was growing. Miles grabbed his backpack as he stole one more glance in the mirror. He decided He liked what he saw and headed out the door. The end was in sight and he no longer felt he was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Kenny, Leonard, and Sean stood together on the sidewalk outside the apartment building, watching as the body bags were carried out on gurneys. As if in answer to a prayer, they received a call directing them to the carpet store where they would meet with the warrant. Humphrey's place of employment was not their first choice of places to investigate that they would take what they could get. Earlier, an officer had driven by Humphrey's home in an unmarked car. He saw no car in the driveway, no lights on, no sign of life. With that news, Leonard had called the suspect's place of employment only to learn that he'd been off that day, scheduled well in advance. Sean suggested that they order the officer in the unmarked car to go back and keep an eye on the house while they had searched Humphrey's workplace. Kenny and Leonard agreed. Miles sat in his car at the restaurant parking lot, wondering if he'd be walking into a setup. He knew it was more than possible, but the idea scared him for one reason and one reason only. It would not be the ending he had envisioned for his mission. If he was walking into a trap and was arrested and sentenced to death, he could handle it. But never knowing how his story affected others, that was something he knew that would torment him even in the afterlife. Miles' office appeared conspicuously tidy, as if it had been staged. Once the store manager left them alone, they immediately went to work. Sean powered up the computer, Kenny searched through the file cabinet, and Leonard walked down the hall to talk to Humphrey's colleagues. It did not take long for the three to discover that their suspect was obsessed with the Defender of Children murders and completely infatuated with Amy Fritz, the journalist covering the case. Leonard learned from some of the store employees that Humphreys had recently started missing work, leaving early, and generally acting out of character. Kenny located a folder tucked way deep behind some other folders in the file cabinet that contained an area map with red dots marked on certain locations. Kenny spotted right away that some of these were locations where computers had been used to communicate with victims. The folder also contained a long list of what he, suggests, what he could only guess were computer logins, dates, and notes in some sort of shorthand. The folder was smaller than the others. Clearly, Humphreys had made a special effort to hide it. All three men had noticed the picture of Amy Fritz tagged to the corner of his, car, uh, his court board. In his snooping around on the computer, Sean discovered a file named DOF, which contained dozens of files, photos, and news articles, all related to either Amy or to the murders. They had enough to go on, and it was time to leave. As they walked out of the store, Kenny thanked the manager. Leonard dialed the newspaper. Sean reached down twice to make sure he had his gun. That was something he could not remember doing, ever. Chapter 50 Amy had been sitting alone at the table for close to an hour when she realized that people at other tables had become fixated on the fact that she was there by herself and had obviously been waiting a very long time for a dinner companion that hadn't shown. The waiter had even stopped coming by to check on her. Her mystery man was not really late yet, but her unusually early arrival obviously had led others to believe that she had been stood up. A few other patrons gave her a sympathetic nod when they made eye contact. She had seen it before on an occasion when she had actually been stood up. The time was close enough now that every time a man walked through the front door, her pulse quickened. Her nervousness was briefly interrupted by a rattling, a sound that she immediately identified as gently jingling keys. Her keys, set off by the vibrating cell phone. Amy fumbled with her purse to check her caller ID. It was the office calling, and without hesitation, she placed the phone back in her purse. Talking to anyone other than the man she was expecting to meet here was of no interest to her at the moment. Then, as if on cue, through the door came the man she was waiting for. Her reporter's instinct told her he was the one. Amy watched him as he spoke to the host and then turned and headed in her direction. The man she knew to be the mass murderer approached her table as her mind raced through the series of events that had led her to this place. It was her nature to question everything, but she felt confident. His smile was wide and bright as their eyes locked, without hesitation, a realization, she stood up to greet him. Hi, I'm Amy. And he said, hi, I'm Miles Humphreys. Please sit, he gestured towards the chair. Slightly embarrassed that she had stood, Amy quickly took her seat. She stared at the man as he ordered a bottle of wine and appetizers. It was amazing how quickly the waiter returned. She noticed that her companion had made an attempt to spruce himself up for the evening. The smell of cologne and deodorant soap led her to deduce that he had probably just showered and shaved within the last hour or so. She was not flattered, but he would never know that. As a woman trying to get ahead in a man's world, Amy had learned that the importance of making a man feel important. Amy was eager to jump in with all the questions she had for this man, but when he picked up his menu and started asking her questions, she realized that he had no desire to hurry through their dinner date. She would just have to be patient and play along. Although he was doing his best to appear cool, calm, and collected, Miles' stomachs was turning somersaults. He found Amy to be intimidating on several levels and felt completely out of his league. He wondered if his discomfort was obvious and hoped that he could push through it. He would relax and make a connection with Amy, he thought. He reminded himself that she wanted just as much as he did to get through this. She had just as much to lose as he did. Now... If he could just figure out a way to trade seats with Amy, he would be much, much more comfortable. He did not like him his back to the door. Why didn't he get here earlier? Chapter 51. The decision was unanimous. Miles Humphreys was their man. And after enduring the disheartened series of dead-end leads while on the case, Sean, Leonard, and Kenny were ready to take down the so-called Defender of Children. Each man was focused on the imminent confrontation. Consistent with his nature, Leonard was prepared for the worst. In his mind, a gunfight was inevitable, as was the bloodshed and chaos that would ensue. He wanted to believe that apprehending Humphreys could go down without incident, but that was just, just wasn't the way he worked. Sean was prepared for a standoff. The ingredients were there. A desperate man with nothing to lose, a restaurant full of potential hostages, and a force that had been waiting for two months to end the killer's mission. And while he did not agree with the man's actions, after learning the background of the men in the two apartments, Sean could comprehend the murderer's motive. Still, it was no man's place to take the life of another man. Kenny drove to the restaurant at a speed that was well beyond any legal or safe limit. Adrenaline cursed through his veins. Leonard's call to the newspaper produced the lead they needed. Amy Fritz was meeting a mystery dinner date at one of the area's nice eating establishments. The reporter he spoke with at first was unwilling to divulge the information, but when Leonard mentioned the case and Amy's possible involvement with the killer, he got all the information he needed in less than a minute. Kenny had been in situations very similar to the one they were about to get into and had developed confidence in his God-given ability. He did not consider himself to be a cocky or egotistical. Rather, he was a realist. He never wished for a gunfight or any kind of fight for that matter but he knew he was ready for whatever came his way. Looking down at the speedometer, he had to smile. Speeding at over 110 miles an hour, and you're giving yourself a pat on the back. Way to go. Kenny did not dare take his eyes off the road to see how his passengers were handling the ride. He figured they were lost in their own thoughts as they prepared to meet Mr. Humphreys. Kenny slowed the car down and turned off his blue light as he approached the restaurant. After they pulled into the crowded parking lot, The men spotted six cars from the force, four squad and two unmarked. They had already arrived. The officers inside them were waiting orders on where to take up position. Kenny was well aware that some of the officers would choose to wait outside if it was their call and wait for the suspect to exit, and that even Leonard and Sean might feel the same way. But it was not how he was trained or raised. If you want something to happen, make it happen. Chapter 52. After Miles ordered the wine and appetizers, Amy excused herself. All the tea and water she'd been drinking for the last hour-plus finally hit her. When she returned to their table, she saw that Miles had taken the liberty of switching seats with her. She hated having her back to the door. She made no effort to hide the fact that the move irked her. What would you have done if I'd had a a larger bladder, she asked as she took her new seat and turned it slightly so that she could see both her companion and the entrance. Moved us to the smoking section she maintained a forced smile. Miles liked her spunk, but kept that fact to himself. He saw no need to possibly irritate her further. Besides, he wanted to have a pleasant meal. Amy could let, not let the chair go, but she refused to play along with Miles' nonchalant charade and was eager to move past the casual banter. She had questions, and he had the answers. She shifted her weight as she crossed her legs and closer to her diner, dining partner. I would like to discuss what you've done, and how that affects me. For effect, she moved back in her chair and stared at him. You hold the answers, but there's something you want from me. It's time to come clean. Amy folded her arms, her signal that she was going to wait him out. Miles took a deep breath and proceeded to speak. Uninterrupted, for 20 minutes, he started with the story of how he lost Amanda. He spared no details and enjoyed watching Amy's facial expression as he spoke. Not once did he see a trace of disgust on her face; rather, she had a look of someone trying to understand what he had been through. Tears pulled in her eyes, ran down her cheek as he revealed the death of Molly and Brandon Flasker were caused by him. And when he confessed to her that the deadly accident on the expressway was a consequence of his mission, she continued to listen as she dabbed at the tears with her napkin. Their waiter appeared with their dinners, just as Miles finished recounting how he had carried out his grand finale earlier in the day. He motioned with his fork for Amy to enjoy her chicken carbonara. Please, let's finish our fine meals, and then we can continue. Chapter 53, To Go In or Wait Outside? That was a question Kenny, Leonard, and Sean were faced with in the parking lot of Francesca's as their suspect and his date ate their dinner. After quick deliberation, they decided to go in, Kenny impressed upon the other two his conviction that they had already waited long enough to apprehend Miles Humphreys. Sean had agreed after listening to Kenny, and although Leonard was not completely sold on their decision, he knew it was helpless to try to change their minds. Kenny could read the uncertainty on his face. Listen, partner, there is always a chance in these situations of the suspect trying to take a hostage, he tried to reassure Leonard, but the chance he will be greater if we wait until he makes a move and leaves. Besides... Now that he's inside, he's trapped. There's only two exits, and we have them both covered. Once he gets outside, his chances of escape, they increase. Leonard shrugged his shoulders in hesitant consent. The plan was to make a beeline to the table where Miles and Amy sat and catch their suspect while his guard was down. Then they would quietly escort the suspect out of the restaurant. Almost everything went according to plan. As the three men entered the front door, Sean slowly um, stepped to the side as he guarded the door while Kenny and Leonard proceeded to the table. From where he stood, he had a clear view of the table and watched Humphreys wipe the corner of his mouth with his napkin and place it back in his lap as he spoke to his dinner partner. Humphreys then t- turned in his seat and reached into what appeared to be a duffel bag. Anticipating the worst, Sean placed his right hand on his weapon and scanned the room to analyze the situation. All other patrons seemed to be unaware of any potential danger. Kenny and Leonard had pulled their weapons, and Sean heard Kenny address the suspect. Police! Hands in the air! Everyone down! Leonard cried out. Amy appeared confused, as if she had just awoken from a dream and did not know where she was or what she was doing. Her eyes darted nervously around the room. Humphreys withdrew his hand from the duffel underneath the table, but he did not put them in the air as directed. In them was a dark mass which he held out to Amy. A shot rang through the restaurant. One single shot that sent the suspect to the floor. Sean watched as the man, the object still clutched in his hands, strained to lift it towards Amy from his place on the floor. Although Sean could not discern what it was, he was almost certain it was not a weapon. It was too big, too square. Amy reached for the object in the dying man's hand, but was whisked away by Kenny and taken around the corner to the officers who had entered through the back. Sean continued to watch as Leonard moved in close to the subject, close enough to make him uncomfortable. What was Leonard doing? Other officers infiltrated the restaurant to help patrons safely escape the premises. The ambulance arrived and paramedics made their way to the downed man. Only then did Leonard step away from Miles Humphrey's side. Chapter 54. Kitty had never made a practice of second-guessing himself. He simply was not hardwired that way, and today, thanks to his insistence that they be proactive, his team was about to close in on the self-proclaimed defender of children. Walking towards the suspect's table, he surveyed the surroundings. There appeared to be no easy way for Humphreys to foil their plan. The restaurant was crowded with many tables, which would serve as obstacles if he attempted to flee. No one could have served... A possible hostage was within reach the woman sitting across from him appeared to be oblivious to their approach this is going to be uneventful kenny thought to himself somewhat disappointed but after considering the deadly trial humphreys had left behind he realized that an uneventful conclusion would be greatly welcomed then as if he had jinxed the situation by his overconfidence kenny watched in horror as a suspect reached for something under the table he shouted at humphreys to stop and put his hands in the air But it was as if the man did not hear him when his hands emerged from under the table something was in them something he directed towards the young lady across the table kenny panicked this is not how this was supposed to happen he thought without hesitation he fired one shot and knew immediately that he had mortally wounded the suspect leonard moved in to tend to the man and after a brief moment of relief kenny realized he needed to return his attention to amy fritz Who appeared to be quite shaken as she stood among a mess of papers and spiral notebooks he walked amy around the corner to two other officers who then escorted her to one of the outside units when he returned he saw leonard step back from humphreys as the paramedics took over and then began to pick up papers that amy had dropped on the floor do you have his weapon he asked leonard leonard made no effort to hide his confusion as he paused from picking up the papers what weapon The one he had in his hands when I shot him, Kenny replied impatiently. Leonard nodded and looked towards the duffel bag sitting on the floor. A gun was found in the bottom of the bag, he said in a low voice. But the only thing in his hands when you shot him was a stack of notes and journals, which are now all over the floor. Chapter 55. Amy noticed the three men walk authoritatively through Francesca's front door, especially the one in the lead. He was tall and well-built with rugged good looks and his eyes were on her table. One of the other two men walked no further than the hostess stand and planted himself there. His eyes were also on the table where she sat. Instinctively, she knew that the men had arrived because of her dinner companion. But what was going to happen to her? She had her reasons for being here, too. Miles also seemed aware of the men's presence, and once they were within 10 feet of their table, she noticed Miles reach under the table. Amy, it appears that we are at the end, And I want you to have what you came for, he said. I had hopes to have one more, a little more time with you, he stuttered. But here are my journals, my notes. Please make good use of them. He held her gaze with a look that could be nothing more than sheer appreciation. Without her, no one would understand. He held out the stack of folded folders for her to take. But before she could grasp them, she heard a man's voice shout, hands in the air, followed by one single shot. She watched in horror as Miles fell from his chair and the papers went sailing through the air. The gunman then took her gently by the arm and led her away from the scene. Once she was out of the building and sitting in a squad car, she realized, with dismay, that the papers Miles brought her were spread all over the restaurant floor and would be evidence. What had she lost? Out of the corner of his eye, Miles had seen the three men enter the restaurant. A sinking feeling came over him instantaneously, but he was physically and mentally ready for whatever would happen. If only he could have had dessert, he thought. Miles knew his moments with Amy were numbered and that he would have to be quick. The three men were now moving into position, and he thought he recognized the man in the lead as the hotshot detective he had seen answering questions during press conferences on CNN. He would be riding high after this, wouldn't he? Miles knew that going peacefully was the only thing he could do if he wanted Amy to have a front row seat and a first-hand account of his arrest. She had to get the papers before they took him. Miles turned his attention away from the detectives and towards his dinner companion in a calm voice that completely hid his panic. He told her that he wanted to give her what she needed to write his story, and without making eye contact with his intruders, he kept his eyes focused on hers. He reached under the table, into his bag, for the journals and papers he had collected for her. Miles heard shouting, but it might as well have been a thousand miles away. He was completely tuned in to Amy and making sure he passed off to her the critical information she needed to tell his story. Nothing could distract him, or so he had thought. A bullet to the chest took him to the floor. His strength faded quickly from his body. It wasn't supposed to end like this. He tried to reach towards the startled reporter without success as his vision blurred he watched the papers fall from his hand as amy was escorted away the contents of his organized folders were now scattered across the floor in disarray miles realized through the pain that part of his plan was hopeless miles knew he had one thing left to do he turned his head towards leonard and whispered his name when the detective was by his side Leonard looked into his eyes and knew the cop understood his mission. Without much strength left, he withdrew from his pocket a folded piece of paper, which he slipped into Miles' hand a moment before his own body shut down. Leonard walked hesitantly into the restaurant behind Kenny. Doubting their decision, he was jittery and wished they were taking another approach. However, he did not want to confront Kenny, who seemed to be so insistent about approaching their suspect at his table. But now as he looked around the room, he realized there was too many things that could go wrong, too many lives at stake. It was all over almost before Leonard could grasp what was taking place. In accordance with their plan, Sean took his position just inside the front door. But before Leonard could assume his assigned position, he and Kenny eyed Humphreys, pulling something up out from under the table. Kenny's order for the man to put his hands in the air was immediately followed by Leonard's command that everyone get on the ground. Leonard watched in disbelief as a pink mist sprayed from Humphrey's chest and the man fell from his seat, dropping what had had been clutched in his hands, notebooks and papers. There was no gun. Leonard felt for the man. He understood his need to be the defender of children. A strained voice grabbed his attention. To his surprise, the dying man summoned him closer. Leonard went to his side without hesitation and knelt down so he could hear the man's fading voice. The words that came from his mouth paralyzed him. In the name of your daughter, Courtney, you have been chosen to carry on the mission, he choked. But first, get the files to Amy. It was not until after Miles' body had been carried away that Leonard noticed the folded piece of paper he had placed in his hand by his kindred spirit. Scrawled on the paper was, Go after the one that got away. He carried it in his wallet, never turning it in as evidence. Our last chapter, chapter 56. Miles believed that by carrying out his mission, he had done the work of the higher powers. And when he saw his dear Amanda walking through the fragrant meadow, his belief was confirmed. He was in heaven. She was more beautiful than he had remembered ever seeing her. And in her long flowing gown, she appeared to float towards him. On her face was an expression of peace and sheer contentment, as if she might break into a smile at any moment. Her hair blew free in the gentle breeze. Eager to be reunited with his one true love, Miles wanted to run and take her in his arms, but as she came closer into view, he detected a hint of sadness on her face. Instead of holding her arms out to him, she took both his hands and looked down, apparently searching for the words to say, Miles, it's so good to see you. He knew she was holding something back and he looked deep into her eyes when she finally looked up trying to find what it was there's no easy way what I've been sent to tell you will be hard her gaze went down to the flowers at their feet Miles held his breath something told him that the silence was better than what he was about to hear from Amanda she continued your mission on earth was not pleasing to God you will retain your salvation but before you can pass through the gates of heaven You must remain on the outside in recompense of your actions for as long as God sees fit. Amanda paused to let Miles absorb the blow of her words and to gather his thoughts. Finally, she looked up at him and saw that his eyes were filled with tears. He remained silent. Amanda explained that she could make no promises on when they would see each other again, and that his earthly exploits had been the works of demons that he had been blindly following. For that, God had indefinitely banned him from the kingdom of heaven. It would seem like an eternity, he thought. From within the gates came the most beautiful music Miles had ever heard, the call of those outside the walls to return. He watched helplessly as others joyfully approached the open gates, giving Miles' hands one last squeeze, Amanda turned to join her brothers and sisters. Miles felt like he had lost her all over again. Defeated and alone, he noticed there were others like him, who did not follow the harps and flutes and instead turned in the opposite direction to the dark and dying woods in the distance. He followed them. Miles acknowledged that he had been allowed to be deceived and led down a destructive path. He could not deny his failures and shortcomings. He had been a fool. Just as he reached the forest edge, he stopped short, consumed by the realization that there was one thing he regretted more than his sentence to the outside and even the innocent people he had killed in the name of his mention before leaving his earthly body he had been responsible for leading another man astray miles dropped to his knees in prayer for leonard may he be stronger than i was and may he take the right path and that's the conclusion of episode 13 and season one of my words our journey i want to thank each of you that listened and i hope you've enjoyed the journey A special thank you to our listener from Ireland. Thank you all. And if you enjoyed this season, please look out for a preview of season two coming soon. Again, thank you and have a great day.